1: The law. So we are talking about foundations. Somebody say foundations. foundations. We talked about the foundation of God's word. We talk about the foundation of Christ. Somebody say foundation of Christ. I started talking about the foundation of honor. Somebody say honor. honor. The Bible says, "Honor your father and your mother." That is Ephesians chapter six, verse one to three. This is the first commandment with the promise. But it may be well. Somebody say, it may be well. Say, it may be well. And when the Bible says, it may be well, it's not just talking about money. You see, the world puts premium on anything that is associated with money. We think that money is the ultimate. Money is not the ultimate. Money is not the ultimate. Turn to your neighbor and say, money is not the ultimate. Yeah, as important as money is, it is not the ultimate. When you don't have it, you see it as the ultimate. When you get it, the miserable way money treats you will now make you see that there must be something superior than money. And you don't have to get it and be miserable by it before you learn that. You should learn that before you get money. There are, there are many, many, many people who pursue money at all costs and they get it by all means. And they get destroyed by all means. The Bible said, their sorrow shall be multiplied and hasting after another God. I have great respect for money because I know the difference money can make. But, I am also minded by scripture that money is not all. That is why it's important. If you do well in life, the principle of honor must be observed. If you do well in school, you must honor your teachers. If they are going to teach you and train you to become a good person, you must learn to honor your boss at work. We looked at a number of these areas. We said that Honor is an important virtue and value in our kingdom. Somebody say we are in the kingdom, we are in the kingdom. of honor. 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 honor is a virtue yeah. that we must manifest honor. in all our ways. Honor. All right, so we looked at honor and we looked at the roll call of honor. I talked about honor for God, honor for spiritual leaders, honor for our fellow believers, honor for our natural parents, honor for the aged and the elderly, honor for our spouses, Tend to even say, honor your spouse. spouse. If you are married. married. And honor women. women. If you are not married. married. Yeah, there are some people, their mindset is so warped. They have a certain mindset about women, which does not allow them to treat women with proper care and sensitivity. And you must learn it. Every man must learn how to treat women, whether you have sisters or you don't have sisters. me! It's because we're five boys. That is silly. Yeah, you have to learn. You didn't know chemistry, you have learned it. Now you're a chemist. There are many things that you were not born with, but you have learned them. You have to learn to treat with honor the people that must be treated with honor in your life. You see, the, the thing about it is that when you see somebody honor others, it's because he's a person of honor. Usually people who don't have honor for themselves don't honor others. When you don't honor yourself, you don't honor others. If you look at Jesus, in all his dealings, he always sought to preserve the honor and the dignity of people. So they will arrest a woman, they say, We caught her in the act. she's messed up, and we want to kill her with stones. No, she wasn't alone. They were doing selective justice. Jesus said that that is not what is befitting of a woman. When the Bible talked up in First Peter about husbands, honor your wives, it was counter cultural. Because at the time wives were just like a TV set in a home. That's what a wife was. In that era they lived in. Wife was just uh, like a property. You do whatever you want. So it wasn't a person that was valued or honored. But when Christ came, everything he thought was the opposite. You remember his account. He said, uh, must I put away my wife for any reason? I mean, how do you put a wife for any reason? If the person was valuable, you don't put away for any reason. And any reason can be like, a, please, could you please, honey, press my suit for me? And just as she's pressing, maybe the temperature went up and it got bent. That was enough for you to put away your wife. I'm hungry, fish something for me, and came there, it was so salty. How could you make food so salty for me? Do you want to kill me? You are divorced. <laughs> that was the error they lived in. Any flimsy excuse could let people put away their wives. And Jesus said that was not what it was so from the beginning. Talked about honoring masters, honoring everyone. And then we zeroed in on honoring God. Somebody say honoring God. Amen. And we said that God deserves honor and God demands honor. Say God deserves honor. God, deserves honor. God demands honor. Amen. And we said that one important way we honor God is through giving. Somebody say giving. Amen. It's a way we honor God. Say giving. It's a way I honor God. Say holiness. It's a way I honor God. When I possess my vessel, put your hand on your belly. When I possess my vessel in sanctity, in sanctification and holiness, I bring honor to God. Don't forget, scripture says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Huh. So, if this is where the Holy Ghost lives, it has to be possessed in cleanliness. So, that's one way we honor God. But one important way we honor God is through the things we give to God. And Malachi chapter 6, verse 1 tells us A son honors his father, a servant his master. If I be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, Sayeth the Lord of hosts? And then he zeroed in and he began to talk about why this is the case. Last week I started talking to you about the principle of the first fruit. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your what? Increase. Honor the Lord. Somebody say honor the Lord Lord. with your substance substance. and the first fruit of all your increase. All right. so we talked about the principle of the first fruit, and we said that it's something that precedes everything else, it's something that starts everything. is something that is the beginning. It is the first offering that was made in scripture. We talked about that. I talked about four things about the first fruit. Did I? I said it's the first offering mentioned in scripture. And then I said it's a sacrificial offering. I said it's different from the tithe and the offering. And it's an annual or seasonal offering. Today I want to talk to you briefly, hopefully, about why we believe and practice the first fruit sacrifice in the church. Somebody say, why we believe believe. And and practice. Okay, why we believe and practice the principle of the first fruit, where we honor God with our first fruit at the beginning of every year. Why we do put money aside, money we could use for other things, and we say we are bringing it to God as an offering. Why we do that? The first fruit is first offering, first salary, first profit, first whatever. Everything first is the first fruit. Okay, so why do we do it? The Bible says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase. So Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why do we do the first fruit? Number one, we bring the first fruit as a demonstration of gratitude to God for the uncommon opportunity to live, work, and be productive in the new year. Somebody say, we give the first fruit. The first. Please say it. We give the first fruit the first. as a demonstration, as demonstration of gratitude to God. Opportunity to live, work, and be productive in a new year. Most people usually don't see life like that. Life is an opportunity. Life is not a right. God gives us an opportunity to live. Somebody was almost entering 2023, but he couldn't. He couldn't. By 31st of December last year, he gave up. He couldn't see So when you have the opportunity and the privilege to live, you don't enter the year and begin to live it as if you are here by yourself. Are you with me here? You don't. You don't. When people come antagonistic and they begin to fight scriptural principles, they simply do not know what they are dealing with. The Bible says, Oh, that men will praise God for his goodness. Psalm 107. Verse 21 to 22, that men will praise God for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them make the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Oh, that men will praise God for his goodness and they praise him by offering precious sacrifices. Are you with me here? That's what we do. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is with him in Psalm 103, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you enter a new year, one of the great things that is always a good discipline to do is to be grateful to God. And gratitude is a virtue that you must possess. The Bible says in Lamentation chapter 3, it says it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not concerned. It's because his compassion does not fail." That's why you're here. You are here today because of his mercy. You will be here tomorrow because of his mercy. You will be here next year because of his mercy. And you have to keep on celebrating the mercies of God year in, year out. I'm not communicating. Yes. You won't have a day to live where it will not be because of God's mercies. There is no going to be a day like that. There is no going to be. As long as you live, you will always be kept by his mercies. It's of his mercies we are not consumed. And if he's kept us with his mercies, it's only right. It's only proper that we come saying thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are alive. We thank you that we have work we can do. We thank you that we have health that sustains us in our daily work. Am I communicating somebody? That is the principle of the first food. When we bring the first food, simply we are saying, Father, we thank you for a new year. Not many people had it like the way we've had it. And we are mindful of that. We are grateful. We are thankful for what you have done. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8.18, he said, thou shalt remember. Somebody says, thou shalt remember. The first fruit helps you to remember that God has been merciful to you, that it is he who is going to give you power to get wealth in the new year. That's what the first fruit is about. I, I'm going to pursue all my new year dreams and goals, but Lord, I'm mindful that it is you who gives me the power to get That's the first fruit. He said, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefit toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord, and I will pay my vows. You see, grateful giving is different from regular giving. I checked in the Bible, and I realized that when people gave because they were grateful, they always gave to a measure that was unexplainable. Remember Mary Magdalene, when she came, she accumulated a whole year's pay. And bought something priceless. And what was she doing with that? It wasn't because of it. She was just saying to Jesus, I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. I am grateful. Legalistic giving is not grateful giving. Grateful giving gives over and above. I am grateful. I can show you scripture after scripture where people gave because they were grateful. And they gave it generously. And they gave joyfully. Look at 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4 to 10. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for what? For the fact that God had been merciful to have chosen him as king. Solomon knew that he wasn't the least likely to be king. He wasn't the most likely to be king. He could have easily lost the place because there was a lot of contention. Adonijah was fighting. Absalom had already fought his father. David had many sons. And mind you, Solomon was not even a son so properly called. He was a son of Bathsheba. So if anybody was supposed to be entitled to the throne, not this illegitimate child, what everybody used to do was to offer one bull. At least 10 bulls were enough. But out of overwhelming heart of gratitude, Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. And when he did, you saw what God also did in response. God didn't need to do anything more but because he will not be outgiving. No man can outgive God. He has to demonstrate to Solomon, listen, you have been good, but I'm too bad. As the Americans will say, you are good, but I am goodest. So he gave him, and when he finished, he said, Solomon, listen, let me see you how generous I am. What you did is unprecedented, and I'm also going to give you something that will make you unprecedented. Ask me what you want. Whatever you want, I will give. And Solomon said, Lord, I want nothing but wisdom. Give me wisdom. God says, Solomon, you're a baby. I know why you need wisdom. You are going to deal with kings. You are going to deal with people who are mightier and stronger than you. But listen, Solomon, wisdom alone will not give you the influence you need. You need some money. You need some power because a wise man's wisdom is not here. And his wives are despised. So wisdom and understanding is yours. But Solomon, in your lifetime, I'm giving you wealth and money riches that no man has ever gotten. That was not hard work. That was supernatural fever. Am I communicating here? I understand the place of work. But listen, there is no amount of work that can give you as much as what the favor of God can bring you. You can work all your life and retire with your savings. But God can give you one connection. That will bring you one thing you could never have earned in your lifetime. That's why faith, faith, people who operate by faith, they always live on a higher end. They always live on a higher end. Because that which is spiritual, I will always supersede that which is natural. So look at David, his father. He learned this from David, his father. The Bible said, David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel. Second Chronicles 28, verse 1 to 5. And said the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who serve the king, the captains over a thousand captains over hundreds, and stewards over all the substance, possessions of the king and of his sons, with officials, the valiant men, and all the men of valor. The king rose up to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of God and for the foodstool of our God, and made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me about the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. That's gratitude. Can you see that? That's gratitude. What David wanted to build a temple was a, as a result of gratitude. So when God even told him, stop it. He said, listen, you can't prevent me from being grateful. What you have done, after what I wanted to do, it was going to leave a legacy. But I want you to know that what I'm doing is as a response of the mercies and the joys I have received already. I have received already. That's going to be the reason why I'm giving you what I'm going to give you. He says, Now, moreover, the God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel. Now, you won't understand this until you come to 1 Samuel where you see the man Samuel come to the house of Jesse and is looking for somebody. And David was not a candidate he would choose. In fact, God had already spoken to him that when you go, I will tell you who you should anoint. But when he went there, the people who look like Meloness, David was not part. The people who look like Kings, David was not part. So immediately, he saw them by himself. He would not wait for God to tell him anything. Because he could see that kindly materials were in Shammah and in those people. So when David said, I'm doing this because I remember when he chose me in the house of my father. He knew what he was talking about. Most of us forget too quickly. That's why we live miserable lives. That's why we are not able to serve God with gratitude or a depth of appreciation. God has done so much for you and some of us can't even see it. You can't see what he has done. No wonder you will not see what he's about to do. Gratitude. He said he chose me. What I'm building is not to make a name for myself. What I'm building is to demonstrate that I am grateful. I appreciate what he has done. It's an awesome thing to relate with grateful people. Grateful people are awesome people. They are mighty people. And anytime time gratitude is shown to God, God responds. God has always responded to gratitude. God has always responded to gratitude. Consistently so. Number two, the principle and the practice of the first fruit is consistent with Christ's call to give and live sacrificially as New Testament Christians. That is why I believe in the principle of the first fruit. Some people are free to talk New Testament, Old Testament. But you see, the Bible is not a book of testament only. The Bible, like I told you, has to do with the person of Christ and the principle of Christ. There are things that were shadows. There were things that are principles. Principles. There are things that are supposed to be practiced. There are things that were supposed to be principles we can learn from and emulate. Am I communicating here? You have to understand that. We are not into animal sacrifices because Christ offered himself as one-stop sacrifice for sins eternally. That's why we make. we don't make animal sacrifices. We are not into, uh, what do you call it, feet washing because Christ used it symbolically as a symbol of humility and service. Am I communicating here? Now, but there are things that are principles clearly outlined from Old Testament to New Testament. You cannot go through scripture and not see it. The principle of sacrificial giving is one principle that runs through the Old Testament. It runs through Genesis and it's carried over through the Old Testament right into the New Testament. Listen, but the when it comes to sacrificial living, in fact, the Old Testament, what they practice, lawyer, was sacrificial giving. In the New Testament, what we are called to do is sacrificial living. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the difference. There's a difference. Sacrificial giving. And if we are struggling with first fruit, which is sacrificial giving? I wonder if you can live sacrificially. I really wonder. You see, the reason why we have a lot of challenges in our day and in our Christian experience and work with God is because we like we, we the sacrifices Christ made for us. But the painful thing is that we are not willing to make the sacrifices Christ expects us to make for Him and for others. We like the sacrifice. He died for us, so I'm saved. He died for me. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm the chosen of God. I'm the head and all the tail. I'm blessed. I'm a peculiar person. That is what his death has made available to you. But having died for you, he's also calling you to lay down your life for others. Listen, Christ did not just die so you will learn how to live better, but Christ died so you will learn how to die for others. You can't go through the New Testament and not see that we are called for sacrificial living. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Follow God's example. <laughs> Somebody say, Follow God's example. Follow God's. When we are given the first fruit, we are learning to follow God's example. He said, Follow God's example. Ask what? Ask what? Ask what? I know that a lot of us do selective reading of scripture and. Even when we start to do a general reading of Scripture, when it comes to application, we do selective application of Scripture. So when it is nice and it's cool, we go by it. When it pinches on our flesh, then we begin to have a difficulty. But the Bible says, follow God's example as dearly beloved. Follow God's what? Example. That's what I've been telling you, that praying against your enemy is not Christ-like because that's not Christ's example. He said, as dearly beloved, follow God's example. What is the example? As dearly loved. Verse 2, he says, and walk in the way of love, just as what? And did what? Gave first fruit. No, gave salary. Gave profit. Gave what? Gave himself. Never you forget, as I teach, that in the New Testament, your call is not to give sacrificially. Your call is to live sacrificially. Somebody say, I'm called to live sacrificially. That's a call. That's a call. That's a call. And your ability to give sacrificially is a proof that you can live sacrificially. Because if you cannot give that which is material, your life will be too precious for you to give. Your life will be too precious for you to give. I don't debate with people about giving at all. Because really this argument about giving is not about giving it's about serving and living for God. That's all it's about. That's all it's about. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Whatever your master is, you defend it. The people you see on social media defending money and sometimes after hearing teachings upon teachings will still defend it. They are not defending a doctrine. They are, not def- they are defending their pockets because that's where their heart is. But if God is truly your heart, He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Am I communicating here? That's critical. In Romans, I like Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer what? Offer what? Your money. Your first fruit. Your tithe. Read it. Read Some of you don't read it because you you don't want to read it so that you'll be confronted with the word of God. Offer what? Read it. Open your mouth. Offer what? What am I to offer? Myself. Offer yourselves as what? As what? Dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is what? True worship that you should offer. That's true worship. True worship is the offering of ourselves. True, that's true worship. True worship is the giving of ourselves. Our money is a bonus. Anybody who can give himself can give his money. Anybody who can give himself can give his money. I'm telling you. Anybody who can give himself can give his money. Now look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. You see, I wrote here, I said, the giving of your life to God precedes the giving of your substance. Somebody said the giving of my life to God. That's a quote. The giving of your life to God precedes the giving of your substance. In fact, one of the most authentic proofs that your life is truly given to God is your willingness to give everything else to God. That is one of the most authentic proofs. The giving of your life to God Precease the giving of your substance. Let's look at it. And I'm doing this from New Testament perspective so you can get your mind straightened up. Our friends, we want you to know. That's 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Good. Our friends, we want you to know what God's grace has accomplished in the churches in Macedonia. Did you see what God's grace has what? Did you see that? What God's grace has what? Please read them. What God's grace has accomplished. So there is what grace offers you freely And there is what grace accomplishes in you. That's why I told you that that generic definition, grace is unmerited favor, is not a biblical theory. There is an aspect of the Bible where grace is treated as unmerited favor. There is an aspect of the Bible where grace is treated as God giving you supernatural ability to do in the natural what you couldn't do. Am I communicating here? That's it. He says... We want you to know what the grace of God accomplished in the churches of Macedonia. And he's going to show us what did the grace do. They have been severely tested. Oh, the economy is bad. The dollar is unstable. That was the experience. They have been severely tested. By troubles they went through. But their joy was so great that they were extremely generous in their giving. Can you imagine that? Even though they were very poor. So when it comes to generosity, it's not about rich people. It's about heart. In fact, a lot of rich people don't even give much. Their minds have been corrupted to believe that giving to uh, just and kind causes is better than giving to God. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians sometimes buy into that folly. Where instead of investing in the kingdom and in the salvation of souls and transformation of lives, we begin to commit our precious resources that could advance the cause of Christ. We commit them to so kind causes. God didn't call you to become uh, become a philanthropist. He called you to advance his purposes. Am I communicating here? That's what God called you to do. That's why even in kindness, he says start from his house. Start from where? his house. If you are going to give something to anybody, anybody you think is needy, find out if you can't find such people in the church before you think about outsiders. And don't be hypocritical with your giving. Pastors and churches where people are in needy and they can be helped, such people are sidelined. That's why I stopped going to children's home a number of years ago. Because there are people here, every month there are people, every week there are people in the church, I give them money before they are able to go to their school in the university. Those people are here. There are more people here as I speak now. There are people here that I wish w- were back to school, but they don't have the capacity. And our budget is also stretched. I'm I communicating here. And people are in church and they are wasting money on. The, you know what I mean, listen, if you are going to be a Christian, be one. If you are going to be fake, be fake. The Christian life is not lived on social media. We don't live our lives to please people. Jesus said when we give, our right hand should not know what the left hand is doing. But today, Christian giving is on social media. You go to orphanage, you take pictures with the orphans. Who are you mocking? Now God or now you? Are you lifting yourself or you are lifting the people up? Am I communicating here? We have to be straightened up and we can only be straightened up by scripture. That's the only thing that can straighten us up. It's not about what you think, what I feel. Oh, I think how can Pastor be talking like this? He has lost his heart. No, I have not lost my heart. I've lost my sense of carnality. I have found my Christ-likeness. That's where sacrificial giving is supposed to be made. I have people in my family who need help, and I could help them. But as long as they are not in Christ, they are not my eternal relations. They are not my eternal relations. So I can give them surplus. But if I'm looking for somebody to help for real, I look for those in church. And over the years, over the years, consistently so, my greatest investment has been in kingdom. My greatest investment has been in church people. Because that is what, how a Christian lives his life. Am I communicating here? That's how a Christian lives his life. The Bible says they were broke, but they were generous. How could it be? That is what the grace of God does. When the grace of God comes upon you, it empowers you to do more than you can do by yourself. Left alone, you would like to save the money. But the grace of God will be moving you. This family needs help. This brother needs help. This sister needs help. And so something you could have saved, you put it out there. And that, once you put it up there, you are sowing it as a seed. And whatever you put in the ground called kingdom, that kingdom will always bring it out. And 104 times. Am I communicating here? That's key. That's key. That's why the foolishness of God is superior than the wisdom of men. The Bible said they were broke. But they were generous and they were joyful in so doing. Verse 3, look at this. This is why they, I can assure you that they gave as much as they could. Okay? And even much more than they could offer of their own free will. No compulsion. Of their own free will. Of their own free will. When people insult pastors and say, we, we are collecting money, this, this is the only place where we don't tell people how much they are to give. And people do it out of their own will. Praise the Lord. Whatever I'm teaching here, after I have taught, Whether you do it or not, now you get up. Am I communicating here? And people are, we see, when people, Christians are no longer allowing the word of God to influence their thinking, their actions. But rather, people who have not been born again, their spirit is still dead. They take counsel from such people. It's a very pity thing. It's a very pitiful thing. I will not for one single moment in my life go and stand by a dead body and seek counsel from a dead body. Because he has nothing good to offer. Are you with me here? He has nothing good. And the Bible says, when you are not born again, you are dead. You are dead. It's not a debate. I'm, I'm struggling to let go of this, my old schoolmate, We have been together from primary. You see, your born again experience is incomplete. If there is a word like that. Because if it was really complete, immediately your eyes would be open, And you see that that old friend that you have been playing with from childhood is a dead person. And when you hang around a dead person and they are not opening up for life, they will still start stinking. And when you hang around, those days when we used to do, uh, 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 go and do the thing at, at that places, some other places, when you come out, the fragrance on you is a very powerful fragrance. Those of you who have known double uh, all your life, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, there are some places, when you appear and come, the fragrance is a heavy one. They gave of their own free will. Now listen. Look at it. Because giving is always from this platform. Verse 4. Look at verse 4. He says, They begged us and pleaded for the privilege of having, have, having a part in helping God's people in Judea. Now look at verse 5. Verse 5. It was more than we could hope for. First. Look at that. First is what? First. First they did what? Please say. First they did what? First they did what? Themselves. First, they did what? Gave themselves to the Lord and then. That's why they gave. That's why they could give in their poverty. They had given themselves to the Lord. They have given themselves to the Lord. Giving is not taught to one who has given his heart to the Lord. When your heart is with the Lord, they don't convince you, persuade you, and use all kinds of means to let you give. Yeah, because if your heart is gone to the Lord. Your money will just be a testimony that your heart is with the Lord. Tight, 10%, 20%. Oh, tight is old testament. You see, your whole mind is corrupted. Your whole mind is corrupted. What you are defending is your pocket. You are not defending Christ. Yeah, that's what it's about. All debate, no matter how just they might seem, they concord all manner of excuses. There are people who are in churches, they see that the leadership of the church is pursuing right things. They still have wrong mindset. That pastors use church money. And he's in a church where he sees that the money is being used constantly to advance the cause of Christ. He's still thinking, he is such a person. How can you change him? His heart is not correct. You leave him to die in his uh, uh, crisis. And the Lord have mercy on all of us. So I said, number one, we do it to demonstrate gratitude to God. Number two, the principle and practice of a first fruit is consistent with Christ's call to give and live sacrificially as what? Good. And it's a practical way to acknowledge and affirm God's first place in our lives. Somebody say it's a practical way. You see, Christianity is a practical something. You can be a Christian and be one that people will not see. If you're a Christian, people will see. it Because Christianity is a practical lifestyle. It's not not a, a religious something that you observe. It's a practical lifestyle. It's a practical lifestyle. The Bible says, In the life of the believer, Christ must have first place. Colossians, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn son, superior to all created things. For through him, God created everything in heaven and on earth and in seen and unseen things, including powers, lords, rulers, authorities. God created the whole universe through him and for him. Christ existed before all things and in union with him, all things are your proper place. He's the head of his body, the church. He's the source of the body's life. He's the firstborn son. That's the first fruit. Who was raised from the dead in order that he might have the first place in have the first place in please have the first place in all. Have the first place in spiritual things. Have the first place in matrimonial things. Have the first place in all things in all things, the same Greek word that is rendered as first fruit, that's the same word used here first place in all things first place in all things first place God did not say in the Old Testament have other gods before me in the New Testament, he said you can have multiple gods before me the same God in the Old, he said you shall have no other god before me in the New Testament, he's still demanding first place, are you with me here? He's demanding first place. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. That's Jesus. Paul says that he must have first place in everything. First place in our money things. First place in our relationships. First place in our engagement at all levels. This is key. And the truth of the matter is that when we learn to put God first, he honors us. He honors us. honors us. That apart from the fact that he deserves first place, he is actually kind and generous enough to still reward us when we obey him in doing so. And let me tell you number three. The third reason why we give the first fruit in the church is an expression of our trust in God as our source and sufficiency all through the year. We give the first fruit to express our trust. Somebody say our trust is in Christ and Christ alone. Do you know that your sufficiency is of Christ? I like it when uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. He said, Not that we are sufficient to think anything as of ourselves. Very important. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient. Let's read that. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of... Please read that with me. Not that we are... Sufficient of ourselves. Yeah. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves... To think anything as of ourselves. Very, very important. Not that. Never you be deluded to think that you are sufficient by yourself. I am sufficient all by myself. I can get things done by myself. I can sort my children out by myself. I can sort my wife out by myself. I can sort my promotion out by myself. Paul said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. To think that anything is of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God is of God. And if you go down, he said, God, who has made us able, once your sufficiency is of God, he makes you able. He equips you, he empowers you to do things that naturally is not possible to do. Look at the CV version, translation of the same thing. He said, we don't have the right to claim that we have done anything in our own. Whoa, that's a Christian. We don't have any right to think that we have done anything on our own. But God gives us what it takes to do all we do. Do you truly believe this? Yes. <laughs> if you truly believe that, when we talk about first, Christ will not be a challenge. You see, there are two th- things on the planet you will trust. There are two things. God or money. Everybody. God or money. Everybody. Everybody. So, before he talked about first fruits, he actually started from Proverbs 3, verse 5. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because he knows that what he's going to talk about, if you don't trust God, you won't do it. If you don't trust God, it won't make sense to do it. So, he started Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Then he said, don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, what I'm going to tell you, you have to superimpose this wisdom over your natural understanding. Then he said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Then he goes on to say, and that honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of thy increase. Verse 9. That so your bonds will be filled with plenty and the price shall be you. What did Timothy tell the people? In First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen, he said, "Charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded." Two diseases associated with wealth and money: pride and confidence. Confidence, you know, money gives you some foolish confidence. Yeah, some foolish confidence because it gives you confidence; it cannot substantiate when well, what it matters most comes. It gives you confidence that you can do anything. You can face anything until one sickness comes to you that your money cannot bail you out. Then you see how stupid you are. Then you see how helpless you are. Then you see how dependent you are. Am I communicating with somebody at all? That's that's the key. That's the key. He says, tell them that are don't be high minded, don't be lofty, don't be arrogant, don't talk proudly. Then he said, Don't be have no trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your trust in riches because it can easily be corroded away. It can easily, it can easily, it can easily. One job lost everything. You know why he got everything back? There was something important he didn't lose. He lost money, he didn't lose God. Praise the Lord. And there are people who when they lose a lot in life, the reason why sometimes rich people cannot suffer some massive losses and when it happens, they commit suicide and do all kinds of things. It's because that's where their confidence is. Their self-expression is in it. Their self-esteem is in it. Everything they have known in life is in it. So now that it's gone, my life has come to an end. But listen, your life did not begin with money. It began with Christ. And so when all is lost, Christ becomes a solid rock upon which we stand. Am I communicating somebody here? He becomes the solid and the most authentic rock upon which you stand. So, build your life on him. Build your life on him. The reason why we talk to you about money is because money is seeking to take God's place in your life. And if we don't educate you about money from a biblical perspective, God will lose you. God will lose you. There are many who, who confess Christ as Lord in their lives, but practically, money controls them. Why can't you come for midweek service? Because it's a business deal. Why can't you make time and spend with God and pray? Because you have to catch up with something. That's all that is always pervading. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Men shall be lovers of money. Men shall be lovers of pleasure. And then what God is looking for are men who are lovers of God. When you are a lover of God, giving is a natural part of it. I've not met any genuine lover of God who is not a giver praise the law, When you, your heart is really transformed, that's where it starts from. Proverbs, the one who was so rich that he, he made silver to be like stones. That's all so one. He was so rich, silver was considered stones. The Bible said, he spoke in Proverbs eleven twenty eight. He said, he that trusted in his riches shall fall. He that trusted in his riches. Before he talked about this, he started from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. He said that the liberal soul shall be made fat. There is that that scattered and yet increased, there is that that withholdeth more than his meat by tender to profit. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watered shall be watered also himself. Verse 20 says, he said, he that withholdeth, can you see? Do this withholdeth. The Bible said, he that withholdeth, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Verse 27, he said, He that diligently seeketh good procures favor. There is a way the favor of God comes. When we use our resources to pursue the good of the kingdom, favor comes. Favor what? Wow. This year of grace, you enjoy favor. I said, this year of grace, you enjoy favor. You have laid back for far too long. As you step into this arena of faith, you enjoy favor. And he tells us, he says, but he that seeketh mischief, shall come upon him. Then verse 28, he said, he that trusted in his riches shall fall. Because you can't scatter when you trust in it. How can I be losing? How can I be losing so much? No, 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 you can't do that. He said, he that trusted in his riches shall fall. But the righteous shall flourish. You will flourish in 2023. I said you will flourish in 2023. You will flourish in 2023 you'll flourish in 2023 yes. number 5 it's a means to dedicate our work to God so he establishes it with his blessings all through the year that's why we give the first fruit. I'm showing you why we do what we do somebody say why we do what we do why? yeah yeah so wherever you are coming from whatever they do there I don't know why they were doing it but here this is why we do what we do okay It's a way, when we give the first fruit, we say, Lord, we dedicate our work to you. So you establish it with your blessings. In the book of uh, Psalm 90 verse 17, it said, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Let the beauty, somebody say the beauty. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. He said, establish thou the work of our hands, that's it. The beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes! Establish the work of our hands. Why? Because except the Lord build, the labor in vain that build it. You see, he didn't say they can't build. (laughs) He didn't say they can't build. He said except the Lord build, they cannot build. No, you can build. (laughs) You can build. (laughs) But your labor in building shall be in vain. Accept the Lord, keep watch over the city. The watchmen wake, but in vain. Most times when I come to the church area, around 2 a.m. thereabouts, the moment I get down there, our security man will be busy sleeping. 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 Of course, when older people are serving as security, when the army will not use them, that's what happens. He'll be sleeping. Sometimes I'll intentionally blow the horn of the vehicle and he's still there sleeping. I understood that scripture very well for me. Except the Lord keep watch over the city, the watchmen wake but in vain. Then he tells you, he said, It is vain to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. 2023, it's my prayer that as you come to the frequency of faith, as you make a choice, that this year, Lord, I've lived life prioritizing my needs. I've lived life. See myself as the ultimate. See myself as a can-do person. See myself as having the ability to do all the things I need to do. But through your word, I have received the knowledge that when I put you first, you'll come through for me. In this year, I make a commitment. That's the prayer I want you to pray. I want you to make that prayer, particularly those of us who have never, ever ventured to trust God in that area before. Trust God and make that commitment to Him. Praise the Lord. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me, mean every word, and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We we'll look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed.
0: Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30am to 11am for our Good News service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6pm to 8pm. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, St. Tataran Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages.